Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Jay Deutsch is today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast. 36 years ago, Jay and his best friend, Eric Ben Susan, started BDA, a merchandising agency for iconic brands. After selling pins at Seafair, the pair had an idea that they successfully pitched to the NFL when they were only teenagers. Today, BDA is a global leader in promotional merchandising and technology solutions with over 750 employees and 34 offices around the globe. BDA generously gives back and has raised millions for causes like ovarian cancer and domestic violence, a cause very close to the company's heart. Jay is also a co-owner of Seattle's new NHL team. He is a father to three children and a great friend. Welcome, Jay. Well, let's just end it there. Thank you. That was fabulous. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> drop it. Good night, everybody. Thanks. I'm just going to yeah. pull the George Costanza right now. <laughs> you could retire. Okay. So I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but we start with rapid fire, which is kind of how you and I engage with each other anyway. So you ready? Um, I'm scared, but I'm ready. Don't be scared. These are fun ones. What is a hidden talent? That nobody knows or that everybody knows? That nobody knows, or maybe wow. somebody knows, maybe, I don't know, your inner circle. I am I'm pro I'm probably still one of the fastest 52-year-olds you'll ever meet. Like runner? Runner, fast. Oh. Speed. All right. I would say I'd race okay. you, but I'm slow, so I'm not. See, it's a hidden talent. Okay. Now it's not anymore. All right. Well, this, this links perfectly to my next question. Which sport would you compete in if you were to go to the Olympic Games? Um... Can I tell you, I'll, I'll take a quick story. Well, yes. I, I'm not going to ever hit the court. So I actually tried to set up the Israeli curling team. Oh, because okay. that you really don't have to train that much for. And you can just see me and my guys coming in like a NASCAR driver with like Marlboro and Grey Goose. I mean, we were going to be logoed up. So, that is yeah, so, so if awesome. I had my best, it would be the curling team. And I could still compete today. I didn't think that was going to be your answer. <laughs> if you could tell, well, we're, we're recording this, um, whatever today is, we're about to have 4th of July. And so it's during this like pandemic COVID time. So if you could teleport anywhere right now, where would you want to go? Wow. Um, let's get three years from now. I think it'd be better okay. than what it is today. Um, well, though, and it's not COVID. It's not COVID. And you're just like, I want to be somewhere else. Where are you going? Ooh, you know, I might go back to 20s, Jay. I have a lot of advice. Oh, you're saying like a time in your life. I'm saying like a physical location. Like in my mind, I'm I like, are you, 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 you laid the question out. I am. This is rapid fire there, Shauna. Okay. All right. If you could choose between running of the bulls, world cup, or Tour de France, where are you going to go? I'm going to go running of the bulls. 
Yeah, I saw that on your like bucket list from a different yeah. interview. Yeah. That sounds like scary as shit, I have to say. I didn't know, I don't think I'm gonna be running with them for like an hour. You get in there for like 30 seconds, which feels like, I guess like, you know, an hour itself. And then you're like the adrenaline rush. But you know, I've been to lots of sports things. I've been very fortunate to go to a lot of cool sports stuff. And, and running with the Bulls is, you know, it's a, it's a bucket list. You know, oh, yeah. You'll do it then. You'll I'll do get it. There. I'll get there. Um, if you could be famous for any one thing, being an athlete, an author, a singer, an actor, what would you choose? It's a tie. I'll go with comedian. Oh, comedian. Or a sportscaster. Oh, you'd be great at both of those. Why don't we just do it? 2.0. Yeah, there it is. Well, BDA, you, know you, you, you came, you saw, you conquered. You're done with BDA. I'm going to moonlight as a comedian. Yeah, I'm going to, the new Mr. Maisel. I like it. I'm calling agent. Can I be the agent? Yes, you can rep me. I'm good with that. I will rep you. Good. Oh my God, you'd be, you already are a comedian. You got, I think you're funny. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> you're welcome. What is your favorite movie? You got to go genres, you know, you can, okay. you know, well, you just like a movie that you would watch over and over again. Wow. Is it like Caddyshack or something like very, there's so many, in? I would tell you just enjoyable, feel good, thought provoking. I go into Forrest Gump or Jerry Maguire. Oh yeah. Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. Whoa. Me show hello. me the money, Jerry. You got to <laughs> show me that money. I love that movie. So um, here's my last question, and then we're gonna get into Jay. Like Jay is a little boy, and I wanna know all about what you were like as a kid, because I feel like we would have been like BFFs. But here's my last, here's my last question. Yes, lady. Do you, do you have a motto or a saying that you live by? You know, my, my thing really is uh, I, I call me and my people at BDA Tigger, and, and this is not a prop. You're seeing my kind of my home workspace, but the minute you walk in to my office or most of the offices of BDA, you see Tigger. So my spirit animal is Tigger, and he's, okay. not, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but there's just an energy and a passion and a will that a Tigger spirit can kind of lead a group of people. And um, I, I just, I kind of identify with that spirit that if we say we're going to get something done, we'll get it done. I love that. And I believe you. I always would, but that's the guy I want to bet on. I want to be on that winning team. Well, I totally, totally get that energy from you. Thanks. Well, I'm so, a glass half, half full kind of guy. Well, it's good. Yeah. So are you more like, tell me about your family. Are you more like your mom or your dad? Well, that, you know, you know, you go deep on that. Uh, I've got an amazing mom. Um, she basically raised us a single mom. My dad passed away when I was nine. And so my oh. brother, I've got a younger brother who's my best friend in the world. And so, you know, at nine and seven, my mom's left raising two boys. And uh, what's oh even goodness. more incredible about that was she was a single child. And so her mom passed away nine months before that. So she just got her world rocked and we turned out okay. And I got to tell you, you know, she just, we went insular and we, we really became about us first and um, just instilled that in, in, in us as just families first. 
And then, yeah. you know, um, you know, that something like that and that dramatic in a kid's life kind of just starts defining you. And so, you know, my dad was, you know, you hear stories along the way from people and, um, he was one of the hardest working guys. I mean, he grew up, you know, absolutely dirt poor and in kind of the, the Jewish neighborhood here that, you know, was not, um, was not a great neighborhood and mm -hmm. he was just a self-made guy. And so I remember him just always working, working hard. And, and it just kind of ingrained in me that that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. And so uh, it's kind of fueled me, no pun intended, but it's kind of fueled me for what I've done and, and how I approach life. Yeah. And when you say fueled you or kind of shaped you, in that way where you're like, I better take care of my family. And like, I'm the, I'm now the man of the house at age nine kind of energy or more like, I want to be like my dad and make my mom proud. Or like, what does that mean? Yeah, that's God. I, should, I feel like I should get on a sofa right now. And, you, you need know, to get gonna, on the sofa. And I say it in all my podcasts. Please. I'm like, lay down for this part because I don't wow. mess around with small talk. I, 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 okay, I, I get that. You don't know that about me, but I don't, I don't actually like small talk. I like to get to the meat of the whole situation. That's why I'm people, to love, that's why to people love you, Shauna. That's sweet. I actually really like selfishly am psyched to get to know you better on this call. Well, I will get to know you off this call if you'd like to, but what I would say okay. is that, um, you know, it, it impacts you in a couple different ways. You know, you become kind of the man of the family a little bit, and, and that sounds weird at nine, but, you know, at 11 and 13, I started doing things that most 11 and 13-year-olds don't do. Uh, you know, I was very driven as a kid, still very driven today. But, it, but, you know, when I think about my dad, it was more like, you know, I don't want to work uh till you know i thought that was why he died and so i'm, oh, gonna, like I'm going to be it. i'm going to be successful before 30 that's it yeah. gonna try that's to you know make my mark before 30 and it it drove me and yet what yeah. it's done is is hi i'm jay deutsch and i'm a workaholic so i i love to work i'm passionate about life whatever i yeah. do i kind of try to do it big and but, 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 you know, my dad, his, his lasting legacy in me is that, you know, I, I work hard and, and I care. And I think that's, yeah. that's you, that resonates though. And it, you can, t you can tell from the culture that you've built at BDA, which we're going to get into, but I'm more curious about like when you're talking about the drive and talking about um, what it is that you're wanting, it seems to me like you probably would be driven no matter what you were doing, but you actually, and I've read this and it's clear that you're, your your um, focus on being passionate first, and that the money follows. Like I'm gonna do something I love, and you're not gonna go get uh, successful or be a workaholic. You know, doing something that's lame that you're not interested in. Yeah, I think. Look, I uh, like I said, I I like to enjoy life, and I can enjoy life working. And the great thing about my job is, and and I've been very fortunate to have the same job for 36 years. I've had the yeah, same- When I read that, I'm like, 36 years, aren't you like 37? <laughs> like, how did that happen? You know what? I love you, do the math. I, I just, I'm 52, I started this when I was 16. And I so, love that story. And so, you know, when, 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 you, when you put that together, 
it's it's kind of that old saying if you love what you do it's not work and yeah and, and i truly love my business i love what yeah we do. I, I feel the exact same way and we you <sighs> and i are among the lucky ones for sure so when you founded bda with eric this is always a question i'm just curious about is it like you and eric being like hey we're buds we're both driven we should start a business together and then you start the business, like when you go find the idea or did the idea come and then you're like, hey, Eric, you wanna do this with me? Or like, how did those first sentences of conversation go? You know, I'm Jewish, so I could say this, two Jewish kids together, we're trying to think about how we can make a buck uh, was always kind of what we were doing, but we grew up two hours away from each other. And um, Eric and I have been best friends literally since we were child children. I mean, you know, I, I think I moved in the neighborhood when, when I was four, he was seven, and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're best friends. And mm -hmm. and even though he was three years older than me, I, you know, I just always was kind of hanging out with the older kids, anyways, in whether it be sports or 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 business yeah. or whatever. And so we um, we just became fast friends. And what happened was we loved sports, and so we were always around the hydroplanes. And Eric was a big collector of hydroplane pins, and then. Um, we just said we could start a business and we came up with an idea for the Seahawks. I called up the NFL as a 16 year old kid from my mom's house on, on a, on a yellow rotary phone and they gave us a license and that's insane. It is, but I'll tell you what, there's always been this, you know, you make your luck. A lot of times they say that. And I don't know if we make luck, but you make friends. And there was a guy yeah. by the name of Gary Wright who is legendary in Seattle sports. If yeah. you know Gary Wright, you love Gary Wright. And he heard out two kids and said, you know what, if you call the NFL and use my name, um, I'll back you. And that's kind of how it happened. And so a business was started in November of 84 and here we are today. So, so tell me about these early days. You go and you get like a business license. I mean, how do you even know what you're doing? Did you have tools around you? Like I probably could have, because I had very, um, I had entrepreneurial, you know, everyone in my family is entrepreneurs and they probably would have said, do this, now do this, now do that. But it sounds like you didn't have that mentorship or like father, kind of father figure telling you what to do. Did Eric? No, we, you, know you know, we, we, we stumble and fell a lot. You know, you learn a lot when you, when you, when you fall down, you dust yourself off and get back up. Yeah. Um, we went to an attorney. They said, you gotta, you know, incorporate. And we said, oh, okay, we'll do that. And, you know, I think the thing was, is we just, we didn't know the word no, you know, it was yeah. like, okay, why don't we try it? When, why not? Yeah. Now it, it's a little different when you're 16 and 19, of course out of your parents house and you don't have a pot to piss in so you got two kids putting in basically 500 bucks a piece starting a company and and then all of a sudden you're doing a licensed program for the nfl up in, in alaska for the seahawks and so we never just we didn't say we couldn't do that and so we, we'd, we'd call anybody we'd talk to anybody you know back then there's no emails there's no cell phone i mean yeah. you, you had to work mail you had to work you know and so yeah uh, it, my first job was actually working for seafair my internship was it really? yeah and i all the jobs were always like here's a phone and i had that same kind of fearless energy like i didn't know much different than just like oh okay well i'll just pick up the phone but it is interesting because it's like how do you instill that in kids? Like, how do you how do you transfer that grit or that fearlessness or that resourcefulness? Well, I'm listening. Right? Do you have do you have advice? 
I don't know. I feel like I'm like making my kids, especially during COVID. I'm like, listen to a masterclass. Take this. Listen to this podcast. Get read away this from book. mommy. Go fill mommy's glass up. Go yeah, exactly. There, right. <laughs> right. I'm just like, how do you? It, it's hard. It's almost one of those things. Like drive is one of our values at Fuel, and drive is something that I'm like, you just can't teach it. It's like either you have it or you don't. And I'm always curious. That's why I was kind of pushing at the beginning. Like, where did it come from? Because most people know it's either kind of a fear-based thing or a, I want money or I know exactly where I'm going. Somehow, where does the drive yeah, come you know, from? You know what though, Shauna? I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's different degrees of drive. Um, I can tell you that in, in B, at BDA, we're an amalgamation of fabulous people. I mean, and, and they get to BDA from friends and family. It could be word of mouth. It could be uh, they've been our clients. It could be, I mean, we, we've gotten so many people that have, have come into BDA. And, and again, nobody goes to school to get into branded merchandising as a form of advertising, but they find us and they go, there's something different here. Now, my point is, there have been so many people that whether they're out of college or they came from a profession that they didn't have to have that drive. And so, you know, the environment that they're in with the people around them that kind of empower them. Yeah. Some people don't get that empowerment. And, and, and when that's come, true, that's a really good point. And, and I'll tell you, we've turned on so many people. And, and, and what I love is people will say, and I could see it too, but they'll have the self-awareness that when they came to BDA, they were kind of, you know, I don't want to say timid, but they, they weren't what you would say drivers and they're going to go do it. Now, you know, it, not only are they drivers within the halls of BDA to get their job done, but they're drivers in their life. You know, whether their yeah. expectation level went up from, the, you know, the, the restaurant that they're in or the cleaners that they're in or the way they handle situations or their life. And I do think there's a power of mentorship and yeah. being in, in, a, in an environment that kind of fosters that. Now, not everybody takes to that, but I will tell you that for those people who say, oh, I just don't have that drive, I, I, I'm, I'll just say, maybe you do, and you just need someone to bring it out in you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm sure that you're an incredible leader in that way. And that must give you, that has to give you a ton of satisfaction. I have to say, I went on your website. It is so kick-ass. It is the Thanks. most killer website ever. I think you guys have redone it in the last few years. Cause I'm, I, I remember, when did you redo it? It's so good, Jay. It Maybe so two, good. three years like, ago, something like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It looks so good. And I saw that it says on there kind of like, we, we strive to like kind of pull off the impossible. Yeah, what that's does, what we do. What does that what does that mean? Well, look, our our clients, we're so fortunate for the Fortune 1000 customers that we have. I mean, we've got, you know, some of the biggest brands in the world with the yeah. FedExes and the Home Depots and the Coronas and Caterpillars and it, so we're very very lucky with the with the clients yeah. we have. And then the sports teams and the leagues that we deal with and the video game spaces with the Xboxes and and Nintendos and Sonys and, and everybody. So we're very lucky. But if you're not good with those clients, uh, they will let you know. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, there's a lot of other people who would love those accounts. So the client experience that, that we hold the standard to, 
Um, we have, to, and the saying that we use around our halls today is we have to raise the bar. And even if we think our bar is higher than everybody else's, you still have to raise that bar. That's what a leader does. Because if you don't do that, you get what's the worst word in business is complacent. And um, people yeah. will knock off complacency. So yeah. for us, we're challenging our folks. They're challenging status quo. We challenge our partners. We challenge our vendors. We so and sometimes you got to challenge your clients because they get in a rut or status quo. So that's yeah. kind of just who we are, and we 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 have our own core values. One of them is striving to be the best. And um, you know the you know it, it sounds you know on on this podcast a little self serving, but we no, are the, it doesn't the, at all. We're the best in our industry. I and don't think do it sounds self-serving. And, um, and it's because I've got people who are thinking it's not enough. And what else yeah. can we do? Now, that doesn't mean we don't celebrate. doesn't mean we don't celebrate wins. You've got to give big kudos, big shout outs. Um, but our folks are so fired up about doing great work that that's kind of what inspires our clients. Yeah. At what point in the business did you and Eric find your rhythm as far as the roles that you're going to take on? Did it happen organically or did you have sit down and go, hey, you're better at like operations. I'm better at selling. Like, how did you figure that out? And, and has that changed over the 30 whatever years? Yeah. You know, that one's probably a little more organic, but now it's, it's known, you know, you kind you know, the lucky thing for us is that, you know, and, you know, look, having a, a, a relationship for 36 years, whether it's friendship, a marriage, a business partnership, it, it's, that's not easy. And, you know, having that for so long, you see how rare, what rarefied air we're in. And so there's a mutual love for each other. There's a respect for each other. We might drive each other crazy at times, but we know each other's strengths and talents and, and value those. And what I would say to that is, is over time, um, it wasn't like you put two 30-year-old professionals who already had figured out maybe who they were and what they were doing. So the right. real lucky thing for us was that, you know, in our personal growths, we kind of have done our own thing and kind of stayed together through that journey. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it up because I do find it incredibly unique and inspiring. I don't have a business partner. And I would imagine at my stage of life, like I would almost want to do all this assessment to figure out like strengths and weaknesses and how we deal with conflict and all these things. When you're 16 and 19, you're just like, hey, dude, let's go make some money. Let's go. Do and it. here you are. And, and, and it's incredible. And the thing is, is that it wasn't always about go just make money. It was we were building and we're still yeah. building today. And I think that's what yeah. kind of. It's fun because people come on and they're like, okay, we're, we're building, we're still going. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like if, 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 if uh, Microsoft said, well, we're going to stop at a billion. I mean, they haven't. If Amazon yeah. said, we're going to stop at a billion. So we just reached the half a billion mark and we're saying we should be going to a billion. And so that's how, I'm like, our, that's how we think about it. But that's insane. It's incredible. How do you guys go about making decisions um, as a company. I know that you guys do your offsite leadership kind of in Arizona. I read about that, but you personally, are you more gut or data driven? Well, the first thing I think is for any business uh, partnerships and, and just in an executive team is trust, you know, so you have to have that trust there. 
And the fact is not everyone's going to do it the way that they would have done it, or they might not do it the way I do it. That's mm-hmm. something that you kind of learn along the way that it's okay. Uh, people will get it done their way, uh, but they'll get it done. And so you kind of let it go and, and, and people either perform or they don't. And I think that's a maturity level that, you know, comes with, you know, finding, you know, mistakes that happen along the way. And then you, you course correct and you find out, okay, it would have, it would have happened yeah. that way anyway. So, yeah. But have you guys done assessments like personality assessments? And if so, who, where are you on that? And, and how has that impacted you as a, as a leader? We have everybody go through now discover your strengths. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a great little, it's a book. And if you go, ugh, it's a tough read, don't read it, really take the test and then read what you are. And I would tell you out of the 700 plus people that we have take it, maybe 10 of them go, I don't know if that's me or not. Everyone's like, oh my God, that just dialed me in. And it really kind of gives you attributes that you're strong at. And the, the concept is pound your strengths. Don't just focus on fixing your weaknesses. And then if you can align people's strengths with your strengths, and kind of celebrate the strengths that others have. So, you know, if you get a competitive person in a room with a woo, um, you know, woo wants to make everyone feel good. And a competitor is like, I want to win. And if that means there's two of us, I'm winning and you're losing. Well, that sometimes doesn't come across. I'm guessing, I'm guessing well. you're the competitor. <laughs> Not at all. Don't have competitive in my top five. But yeah. I, am, I am a competitor but I, I am, I am a, a big-time focus, achiever, and a maximizer. So those are my three. And, and so I like to collect, you asked, I like to collect data, and I'll collect data points, and then, bang, I'll get where I think we've got to go from a vision standpoint, and we're going to go. Um, but I like data. I like data points. Um, I like listening. One thing about mm-hmm. me at BDA, and, and I think what I think people love about BDA is their voice is heard. So, you know, um, it amazes me that um, in today's times, I, you know, I'm doing a weekly uh, call with everybody, a weekly video. That's I'll, amazing. And, and most That's people, like, we haven't even heard from our CEO. And I, I just can't believe that. Um, I'll talk to people that are new at, at the company and they'll go, I, I was at my old company for four years and never talked to the CEO. And I'm like, well, get over that because you're going to see me. And I, I expect a high, I used to be hugs. Now it's a elbow bump, but Ugh. you know, we, but the, I'm a hugger. It's going to be hard for me if I see you not to give you a big hug. Virtual like, uh, hug, babe. Virtual hug. So if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing aside from being a comedian that I'm going to like represent you? Cause we're doing that just so you know, could you see yourself working for someone else? Or are you one of these entrepreneurs who's like, yeah, no, I'm always going to have to kind of be the boss. You know what? I, not in a bad way. No, not I, in it's, a, a, it's a great question. It's a tough self-reflector. Um, you know, I don't, I don't say I can't work for somebody else because uh, you know, I think, if, if I listen to my own words, I'm in my management team talking about how we all work together. So it, it totally, it and you're matter. working for your company. You're the servant leader. It sounds like, yeah, I think, I think I could work for somebody eventually or, or, or a public company just so long as I respected the leader. 
you know, I mean, yeah, I think, but, but I think that goes for everybody. So, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I, uh, I've had some dear friends who have had some great mentors and leaders that they're running companies today. Uh, and I'll give a great example of uh, Todd Lewicki and who is one of the yeah oh we're gonna get into that one we're getting into the nhl you know that he's been a friend of mine for 20 almost 28 years i think the world of him he's just a born leader and he he's so genuine and authentic and my point was is that he led and then he went to the nfl and you know had roger goodell as a boss and what i love about him is he says I had so much respect for Roger Goodell, and that's why he felt like it was a great gig for him. So I got to yeah. tell you, he, he's a guy who I would look at and go, well, if he could do it, why couldn't I? So I never yeah. said never about anything. But I, yeah. I love my company. I love my company. I can tell. I can feel the passion through the, through the Zoom call. You mentioned Todd. So tell me about your involvement with the NHL, how that all came to be, and what it means to you as a Seattleite. Wow. Um, short version. So we do all the stuff at the NFL. Todd's number two at the NFL. We go, he, I tell him I'm in town. We always go to lunch or, or get a drink. We go to lunch and he goes, Jay, do you think hockey could work in Seattle? And it was a really interesting conversation because being from Seattle, um, and not really having a pro team here and not being a hockey player, my first question was, is there enough hockey fanatic core here in Seattle? And I got to right, tell it's you. It's not Canada. I got to tell you, it is amazing. I have been, my eyes oh, yeah. are like, what is going, there is so much excitement for hockey around here. Yeah. And because hockey is a great sport, it is fast it's it's active you get and it's not just the fights because there's not a lot of fights still going on in hockey although it's an effective tool at times but i'll say this you've got some of the nicest athletes they are down to earth you know athletes that are have turned professional and you know when they when these kids hit the ice for the first time they're they're kids and yeah but there's still a code to the game i love the fact that um you know, they, they, they work their way up through a minor system and, and there's families involved and they stay at people's homes. And so I got to say, I've been so turned on by hockey. So, uh, and, and then I, I, Todd said, would you want to be involved? And I said, there's one main reason why I would be involved is Todd. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I, I think this is not, it's not an easy job. I mean, you're starting an organization from scratch. Oh, and by the yeah. way, we're but building. they're doing such a good job. Every aspect of it is, is the like four seasons, Mercedes Benz, whichever example you want to give, it is like top, top notch. It's going to be incredible. It is. And I'll tell you what, we're, this city is going to be so proud of that arena. And you know, you, you t- we lost the Sonics, unfortunately, because it doesn't, it didn't pencil at that time to put a new arena up. Uh, it's not like, oh, everything pencils now. This is a big risk that a lot of people, yeah. and David Bonderman, you want to talk about a great leader and a guy who Seattle is so lucky 
to have as the majority owner, class act. Bondo has been fabulous and he's done it because he says we're going to do it right and we're doing it for the long term. And so I'm so proud to be affiliated with this building. Wait till everyone sees it. It's going to blow you away. And I, went the the, team, I went to the uh, thing and, and saw the whole build out and, and it's just incredible. And um, just the technology that they're putting behind it and the user experience of what it's going to be like to attend. It's just incredible. You should be proud to be involved. So Seattle what is your fans, role? Seattle fans, get ready. Cause I'm going to let you, I'm going to tell you what the name of the team is oh. right now. Oh, ha ha. You're hilarious. <laughs> really, Jay? Well, I'm like know, jumping through. Like, oh my God. Wait, he's really going to, really going to say it and no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, on the What Fuels not, You podcast. It's not the Killer Hornets. It's not going to be the Killer Hornets. I'm just going to say that right now. The, not oh the Killer Hornets. But, uh, and what's your role in all of this and how much time does it take for you? Like, how are you spending your time with this? Uh, I'm spending more than I thought I would, uh, but I'll tell you what, there's a great group of local owners and everybody's doing that from the yeah. Ackerleys to Adrian Hanauer to Andy Jazzy. Um, yeah. there are some, Everyone's getting energized by it. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, but, but you know what? They, it, they, they were, they were so smart because this is a group here in Seattle that's working for Seattle with Seattle in mind. And then the Pacific Northwest, we're not, we're not just thinking one city, we're thinking about this region and, Hockey's yeah. going to go crazy. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, again, you know, look at what the Seahawks have done. We can only hope to have a portion of the of the of the mind share that the Hawks have. But we don't have a basketball or hockey team in winter. Man, this is going to be so much fun. It's going to be incredible. I'm switching gears, but kind of linking it to to the NHL and just BDA and all of the ways that. Your life has been um, impacted in these last, I guess it's been three, four months now through this pandemic. How has your business been impacted and how, how has this time been for you? Like we haven't gotten to catch up on that. You know, I'm like, wah, wah. We were all pumped and now we're like, Jay and hockey and I know, all. you're Jay and you're hockey. I'm like wet blanket, yeah, COVID. You know, here's what I'm going to say. I, I'm, again, maybe this is just, Deutsch being a tigger, but this too shall pass for COVID. Um, yes, but how is how is it? I'm truly asking, like, how are you? Yeah, like, what's no, it's a, it's a fair question. Look, I, my business has been impacted. I think most businesses have been impacted in some way, shape, or form. A few of them have been impacted in a positive note uh, because you might have a commodity that's selling exceptionally well now, or you're an internet or a wireless provider or content. Um, and then you've got businesses obviously that are just impacted horribly. We've got clients yeah. on all end of the spectrum. So in the video game space, terrific, you know, I mean, of course, like, everyone's what, at home playing video every, and, and every kid's got, you know, now seven hours that's afforded to them a day to go play. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, that that space has done exceptionally well. And some of our essential clients, whether it be grocery stores or the home improvement stores or alcohol, when did alcohol become essential when you go home? And so when, <laughs> but what happens is, is that. There are business, there are clients of ours that are impacted. 
And like what's your event driven and all, yeah. You know, the, the number one is sports. I of mean, course. if you had said uh, in a recession, what's your business uh, clientele that's not gonna really be impacted? I would have said the sports teams. People love yeah. sports. I mean, we're dying without sports content. And yeah. you know, you're seeing documentaries get higher ratings than NBA playoff games now. I mean, it's 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 you know, people are thirsty for it. But yeah, th- to that point, um, you know, that business for us has been impacted. You know, when there's no fans to put in stands and there's no events, um, it's yeah, tough. So that's hard. But what I think it does is it forces you to reinvent and reinvigor the businesses that you're in. And so instead of sitting there going, Oh, woe is me. And this goes back to Tigger because an Eeyore would go, Oh, woe is me. We're, (laughs) we're screwed. I can hear it so perfectly in my headphones. It's literally (laughs) never going to make it. And you know, Tigger says, Hey, Hey, let's go. Let's come on. What are we going to do about it? So it's okay to be a realist and say, this is the situation that we have, but then it's about, okay, what are we going to do about it? And you can either sit around and mope or you can get your ass in gear. And that, that's kind of, you know, what we think about. My guess is that you've shown up in, in spades as a leader right now. I can just tell you're like, I'm calling my people I'm having these meetings. And I think some people go to fear and they kind of hide behind and just kind of wish it away. Like, I mean, it's hard to lead, especially from yeah. afar when you're so used to touching it and feeling it and seeing it and really being able to read people's faces and energy. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge believer in human interactions. And I think Zoom and Teams have brought us a little more of that. But we just had our uh, senior leadership uh, retreat. We did two days at, at BDA and we put... We had 25 people in a large enough space. We, we have a, a, what we call our family room in our warehouse. And we put everybody in their own desks and social distance with masks. But I got to tell you, it was refreshing. And you watch and you see and the discussion. And then it was breakout groups. And, and people are talking. You don't get that on these calls. No, it's really, and it's really hard. It is, it is and, hard. And, and I'll, say, I'll say this, you know, I think that, People are craving that. And I think it's causing, you know, whether it's our kids who might be just a little off, but they don't know how to interact. They don't know how to deal with it. Some adults, a lot of adults don't know how to deal with it. I think there's depression and mental health issues are real. I bet. I bet. And and you know what? I, again, I think that little extra, you know, let's, let's get back to, to normal. And, and while, there's a tool now of Teams and, and Zoom. It's not normal to only have this. And so yeah. I will tell you that um, when I talk to people and, and we started when COVID hit and, you know, we had to do layoffs. We had to do layoffs at BDA. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. I'm protecting the majority of our people by unfortunately having to make tough decisions because we saw that our business was going to be impacted and I didn't hide behind it. And I stood up and and said, here's what we had. I spoke to you that day. You were so shaken up. And so I could just tell it was so, it's so hard. It is because a lot of these people are my friends. I mean, people that I really liked and I was on the phone with a lot of them and it sucks. And my point was, is that 
The next day when I addressed everybody, I said, look, I, I can't tell you I'm going to do it exactly the right way. And I can't tell you I'm going to do it the wrong way. I'm just going to do it the BDA way. And I'm going to keep it real. And I'm going to tell you what's going on. And, um, you know, that's how I'm going to do it. And so that's how we've, that's how I've done it before. And I think when you're genuine and you're authentic and people know yeah. it, yeah. you're afforded um, to either make a mistake or you're afforded the fact that not, so everyone's never going to agree with you. You know, you, but you have the trust of the people, which makes all the difference in the world. They trust you and they know that this is painful for you. They're not thinking yeah. that you're doing, that you're taking it lightly. Is there anything from this period of time that you will take with you personally or professionally and say, I kind of like this side of myself or this way of living? You know, I, the, the only one, and, and this is the one that I had, and, and it's interesting because I asked when you have this is how I internalize it. So this is maybe just me, not to you or anybody who's going to listen. But um, when you said, hey, is there something that you like now better? Was it something mm -hmm. that I didn't like? And, and now I'm not doing it versus um, I'm doing yeah. something more that I like now. And for me, you know, I, I work really hard. And, you know, I enjoy working. And I, but I enjoy time with my kids. And, you know, when you work hard and you're on the go, and I used to travel a lot, um, you know, that's where clients work. That's where new opportunities work. That's where employees are. And so I would, I would spend time with them. And that's kind of how I did it. Now being at home and being around my kids more, I, I love it. So it wasn't that, That's I, how I feel. that I hated traveling. It's more no, that I, I love the time with my kids more. And, you know, I know that there are people going, oh, travel my kids. I'm more like, you know, I'll come out five minutes before a meeting and go hug my boys and then come back in and go for it. And I, I'm loving that part too yeah. so much. I feel like I am sure that there's maybe men don't have this, but women do. I know that I have that like mommy guilt when you're working and you're trying to do it all, quote unquote, and back and forth. But I feel like being here and being a little bit more around, I can do that thing, like hug, put a little food in, do a little laundry work. But it's kind of that, like, uh, I'm also a worker, but it was a little bit more compartmentalized. And now I can kind of mm. flow between the two really right. nicely. And I, I do enjoy that time with the kids also. It's been awesome. Compartmentalized been is a great word. Cause that's, I think what we do when you're, when you got a full-time job outside the house and then you're traveling and then you kind of compartmentalize things and you're rationalizing how much time, and now it's kind of blended a little together, but being mm -hmm. off the road has afforded me some luxury of time. To th and there were times on the road that I kind of would say, I like being on the road because I get to think and, you know, you get yes. to turn off on a plane. You can't go do things for four hours. So, wow, I get time to read a book or, or, or think about something or listen to music or, oh my yeah. God. And, and now, um, you know, I've found a lot more hours when you're not on the road and there's a lot more productivity. So yeah, that's I know I feel, people, feel, people feel a lot more productive. It's great. So there's so much I want to get to. I feel like I'm taking up all your time. So you tell me you go like this and be like, hey, Shauna, cut it. I got to go have my 
whatever you're going to go do now. I don't drink. You know what? Everyone says, Jay, you must drink a lot. I do not drink after work, but I will party with anybody. And I love partying like so a So that's so star. funny that you say that because I don't either. Like, a I mean, most people do like the glass of wine after I don't ever drink at home, like just sit around and drink. Right. To me, I'd rather eat, frankly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> if I gotta choose, okay, I'm like, I'm dessert. A, what's your dessert? I'm a sugar person. It's so funny that you went right to dessert because some people are like, oh, cheese platter. I'm like, no, I'm literally like M&Ms, like Swedish fish, um, carbs, cookies, muffins. So you don't, have, you don't have the one go-to. I mean, chocolate. Oh, I love chocolate. Okay. <laughs> I love chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? Actually, I have a friend who doesn't like chocolate, and I'm like, it's weird. It's like not liking puppies. I'm like, you have to like chocolate. You don't like chocolate? I'm allergic to chocolate. You're so lucky, dude. I, you're well, so lucky. when you're a kid, what's your go-to? When you're a kid, you would I would break out in eczema, and and it would be like horrible. And and Wait, what is your go-to? So what is your like weakness? I mean, French fries, pizza. I love all that. Oh yeah, we have so much ice cream right now. It's on yeah. sale from the new seasons that was closing. My husband, David went crazy. And we have so much ice cream right now. It's insane. Yeah, He literally bought out new seasons. I'm like, okay, I do like ice cream, but you know, I'm not one of those people who needs a bowl every oh, night. I, I could throw a pint down if I didn't stop myself. What kind is your go-to? You know, I'm not, I'm an equal opportunity uh, ice cream eater. You're not, don't say vanilla. You're not vanilla. You're like yeah. Ben and Jerry something. No, cool. it's, it's a Haagen-Dazs cherry vanilla. That's, there you go. But, okay. but if I have one thing, a root beer float, that's it. I Everybody, Haagen-Dazs, vanilla, root beer float, A&W, done. Get done the kind of done. mugs and it frosts over and you kind of scrape the outside. Done and done. You're making me hungry. Do your kids like that? Yes. Oh yes. So uh, are we, you the dad that's like, hey guys, let's have root beer float night? Yes. Yes. So of, course. of course. I need to do that more. I know. That's so good. We have a lot of sugar in the house. It's we have a terrible. lot of sugar in the house. Okay. So yes. lady, what else do you want to know? What can we do? You know okay. What? So here's what way, I want to know. You keep doing you. You're doing great. Okay. Well, thanks. I get like, okay. I do want to ask you, but it's like, it's literally like probably a three hour conversation, but I'm I love how philanthropic you are. And I'm just curious if that's also rooted in your upbringing. And if it's like just kind of that giving back is how we just, that's how we do. That's what we do. Or is it like something moved you personally? I know, um, you know, to, to want to give. Ovarian cancer and domestic violence are kind of the two big causes. Yeah, they've been the two that have kind of, you know, hit home. And I would say, <clears throat> you know, there's always reasons why people unfortunately have a cause in their life. And whether it's been something that they've gone through personally or someone they know has gone through it personally. And, you know, ovarian cancer has taken some very dear people in my life. Um, the one that was just a shock to me was domestic violence. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's just, it's a senseless crime. There's, there's so many, I could talk for three hours on this and I would lecture on it. And unfortunately, it's, it's really rearing its ugly head right now with a lot of the home situations right. um, that, that are going on. And, you know, listen, um, 
if you're being abused, male or female, and 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 get out. It it, it really you are are a person who does not need to deal with that. And you are an amazing person. Uh, you're probably the strength where the other person who's committing this crime is the weakness. Uh, and you might be trying to help that person. And uh, if they can't help themselves then help yourself and get out. And that's yeah. so easy to say, but unfortunately I lost a very dear friend of mine and it was like, I just didn't understand what this was all about until mm -hmm. I lost the friend. And yeah. it happened, um, I was there, I was involved in the situation, in a very crazy situation. Um, this person who was a 15-year friend of mine, and she worked at BDA, and um, it happened on did one of our Did you know trips. that she, did, did she ever share? No. So it happened on a it happened on a trip. So I did know that, and it's I mean I can't imagine something that tragic. That's just incredible. How do you get through that? And it's Hard. I love that you've put um, the energy behind kind of finding solutions or trying to help versus just again it's not this victim thing of like oh this is poor us this happened to us it's like nope we're gonna get behind it and we're gonna make change and yeah it was incredible you know shauna it was it was a journey that i got to go on and it was a, i mean a very unusual journey at that when this happened i came back home and talked to her family and she had a a fit her name is susan and uh, susan brockert's daughter was almost 16 at the time and and her son was 10 and um I talked to her and her family and, and I said, this is not a story to tell. What do you want to do? And they said, we have to share the story. And Maddie Brockert, her daughter is still telling the story and still trying to help out so many people. But I was I, through a friend. Um, he knew that, that, that ABC was looking for people to go on a show, a reality TV show called secret millionaire. And I hate the title but I had fallen into that show probably a year before and actually watched it on a Sunday night and said, God, that was actually a, a feel good reality TV show. And so I knew of it, but I turned it down twice because I didn't want to go on TV. And it's like undercover boss. It's like undercover boss. And, and I, like I said, I hate the title, but the, the, the premise is that you go into um, charitable organizations and you donate your time and you volunteer, but you don't say who you are and what you're doing. And the documentary is about that. But then there's a reveal at the end that not only are you the volunteer, but you also are going to donate some money. And through this whole crazy process, um, they, I said, I told them that I would do the, sh the show, but you had to do it on domestic violence. And that's what, and, and that's what it's got to be about, or I won't do it. And there's a lot of gyrations of that because they didn't promise, but they said, I found out how tough it is to actually do a TV show on domestic violence. And so, um, but I went on this journey with them and it was, you know, only three and a half months, uh, let's say three and a half, four months after this incident took place. Oh my god! So gosh. I was shy. I was a freaking mess. I mean, oh, I, was, I, can only I was crying almost after 
every interaction. And I met up with some amazing people that took me through their stories and took me through where this journey of how senseless and ridiculous domestic violence is. And Mona Lou in, in Arizona is just an incredible lady. And so um, I got to go on a one week journey where they take every, they strip you of everything. You live in an absolute dive um, house. It's, it's not a lap of luxury. It is, you're getting gritty and you're and, but what happens is, and I'm an authentic, real guy anyways, but it became even more because there was zero distractions in your life. It wasn't like you went to, I went to this and then went home to my, my family and all that. So you get mm -hmm. introspective, you get, you, you get a lot of um, gratitude for where you're at and what you have in your life. And at the same time, you're just honored by the people that are working their ass off in these organizations to try to change the world. Yeah. And um, man, I was just moved and it was an incredible experience. So it left an indelible mark on me that today I've been able to get BDA behind how do we fight domestic violence? And, you know, we've just armed ourselves. We, ju we just gave a $100,000 donation to um, One Love, which is- uh, I was about to say, are you involved with One Love? Because Katie's a really good friend. Do you love. know, so Katie Hood's a really good friend of mine. Love, love, love. And I love their messaging and I love what it's they've so done. It's so good. I'm and, so glad. In my head, I'm like, I need to introduce him to Katie. And of course, you know, Katie, yeah, I and, love and that. And the thing is, there's so many- there's so many avenues to it and it's so deep rooted. But what I love is it's educating the young people to break the cycle. And it's yeah. kind and of how to see the signs. And, 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 and I'm going to say something that, you know, I don't mean to be controversial, but I think it's kind of like what Black Lives Matter. I, I think if the youth today, we break the cycle, we may not be able to change everybody. And we won't be able to change everybody, but if we can get people to open their eyes and if we can get into the youth today, and I think a lot of them are there. They just- It's just awareness, bring it's it's uplifting awareness the awareness. Level. And, and, yeah. and I just, I, I find hope in that. So, you know, yeah. One Love- You save lives, me, Jay. Look it up, one Love, it's about messaging, it's about telling the story, it's about saying that's not what love is. I think that's incredible. I love it. I did want to ask you about it. And I feel like even though we could have covered it in three hours, you did a really good job of kind of summing it up. Mm -hmm. And also, if anyone listens to this and they get hope from it or they leave a relationship that's toxic, you know, that's what you're doing. You're just, it's like one person at a time. And then and that one person could have a huge impact on this world. So, uh, absolutely. And they're, they're, you know, and I, I tell you what, Sean, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a tough topic. I, you know, sometimes I get a little choked up on it. And, you know, look, I don't want anyone to lose somebody you love. And it's just a senseless crime. And, um, you know, take care of yourself. But I'm glad you brought it up and I love you for yeah. it. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing and continue to do for the community and just the incredible leadership that you're showing. I'm so excited to um, to watch the NHL team come and excited to learn about the name and all yeah, the fun. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And I love Tigger. <laughs> oh, so cute. This is, I have like four or five Tiggers around here, but this is my boy. That right is here. the there cutest thing ever.
I want to take a tour of that office and see all the other things in there because I'm, I'm kind of getting like yeah, distracted. But I'm gonna a, let... There's a collection. It's a mishmashy of, of places that I go and travel with my kids. And so there's a lot of stuff. But I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've, and I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate in my life. I mean, I've got a great family. I've got great friends. I've got an amazing company. And, and I'm happy that you're doing great. I love you as a friend. You're, you're you. fan. I know, you're I fabulous, you but you already knew that. Thanks, honey. Oh, please. I'm sending you huge, huge hugs and mwah to the kids and to everybody. Sending big love. Shauna, see ya. See you. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.